Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. You know, it's as easy, you see how everybody lights up every week when I'm like, I look over at somebody and tell them how beautiful they are, how wonderful they are, how great they are. Um, whether we know it or not, that's probably the best 15 seconds of our day. You think about it, you look over and you're like, oh, you're looking good. You know, I look like a pumpkin kind of, I put my, <laughs> Father's Day, I'm going to wear my orange shirt, a jacket, don't, <laughs> but, but uh, you're leading right into my message, girl. <laughs> no, I'm the one that brought it on. Yeah, it's okay to be a jack-o'-lantern. I've got a few teeth missing and a big old orange shirt on, so I'm good. Um, <laughs> praise the Lord for you, Steph. I love you. But here's the deal. Um, today we're going to be in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans... In chapter 14, the title of this chapter, does anybody know? Does anybody know? The Danger of Criticism. What? <laughs> yep, yep, you walked right up on that, the danger of criticism, because let's just, you know, let's just talk a few seconds. You know, we got plenty of time. It's Father's Day. The the dads has got fixing to have to go out to a restaurant and pay way more more money than they want to for a meal to celebrate Father's Day, and, and then we'll go home and try to sleep. But um, isn't it easy just to point out the negativity in people's lives way easier than it is the positives? It's just, it's just the, bleh, the bad stuff's just there. It's like it's easy to find. And, and it, Has anyone ever ex experienced um, passive criticism? You know, the backhanded slaps, it's like, I think, I think that was good. You know, and in and, and, and the southern thing, you know, Barbara and I were taught this by a, a speaker. It says that you can say anything in the south as long as you preface it with bless their heart. You can. It, it's like, man, I tell you what, she's just so ugly. Bless her heart. And then we feel good about ourselves just telling them, going to God's creations that they're a little bit. Nobody in here is ugly. Y'all are beautiful. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that right now. I don't want nobody trying to shut down. Like, was he talking to me? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I, women are beautiful. God created them. But that's the way we can kind of justify criticism. And, and we have to be careful that when we are in a place where we think that we are giving advice, many times people are hearing it as criticism. I need to repeat that because that's one of the things I struggle with. I think that I'm giving my friends and my wife and my children this godly advice. But if they are receiving it in a different way, it's not godly at all. Has anybody else ever guilty of that? I know I am. You don't have to raise your hands. But it's easy, it's easy to, to 
we feel good about ourselves when, when, when I come in there and I say Barbara's Day. And I give you all these, this knowledge. And, and I do it in the name of Jesus. And I kind of walk away. My chest is puffed up, Stephanie. And I'm like, oh, I just now fixed my wife. Oh, man. I'm so glad I was here. She wouldn't have made it through the day without me. She knew that she wasn't supposed to put two lids of washing powders in one load. So double the budget. Got to make sure I straighten her out. I'm being funny, but y'all know that's true, men. We feel like we're the washers of everything in the house, and we got to make sure we manage and budget stuff. The danger of criticism. When Romans 14, so we know the book of Romans is a New Testament book. We also knew that the book of Romans, um, Paul was communicating not only to the Romans, but he was also communicating to the Jews, right? So it's, it's, it's a work that the, the book is, 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 is helping the Jewish people understand that they're no longer living under the law. They're no longer um, bound to all of this rigid rule following. But they're also teaching the new church that your words matter. How powerful is a word? powerful is a word I would rather you hit me across the head with something than to hit me with a word and Barbara's holding up her cane it's how powerful is a word it's easy for us to look at Romans chapter 14 and say oh okay yeah it's so much deeper than what we are reading here study it study it get into the history, get into the context that we are really, really good at speaking words to make ourselves feel better. So I'm going to read through Romans 14, and after I read through it, we're just going to break it down a little bit, okay? Can I pray for us before I read? Let's let the Holy Spirit just mess with our heads today a little bit. Let's join together in prayer, unity together, Lord. Father, we come to you and we we hold tightly to one another, Lord. We are your family, that we are seeking wisdom and guidance from you, Lord. Holy Spirit, turn us inside out. Let the rain fall down from heavens. Let the Holy Spirit rebuke us, guide us, direct us. But let that love draw us back into right relationship with you, Father. God, do not let us leave here today feeling shameful or burdened because we just messed it up again. But Lord, put a new song in our lives, Lord, that, that we can get rid of the things that are not from you to grab hold of more of you. And God, we need you to do that. We can't do that on our own. We love you, Father. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Romans 14, let's jump right in. It says, accept other believers who are weak in faith. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer 
with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day to do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord, both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone from whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is no matter of what we eat or drink, but of a living, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. That's a lot of reading, wasn't it? So what does all that mean? Hmm. Let's go down to verse 7. Verse 7, it says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. Let me read it. I kind of made it in just a, a, a small line there, but let me give you the entire verse 7 here. I can find it. Comes right after 6. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. In verse 8, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. The cool thing about this is that we have to understand that when we are adopted into God's kingdom, 
it can no longer be about us. It's all about God. But here's what we need to understand. And, and, and I, as I was studying for this, here's a note that I took. Spiritual maturity is not a requirement for fellowship. Spiritual maturity is not a requirement for fellowship. What do you mean by saying that? What is um, the theologian that, that's, that's studying through this? What, what are they talking about? Sometimes if we're not careful, we will make someone who is, who is struggling feel like they're not a part of the family. We can, we can stay on them. We can talk about the things that they're struggling with. When in all actuality, the person who was doing the calling out here, Paul was saying was probably a little more immature than the one who was being called out. Go figure that. But spiritual maturity is not a requirement for fellowship. But here's another thing. We've got to say this before we get started, before we jump into this. We should distinguish between spiritual mature, immaturity and rebellion. Because I think that's a confusing thing. And we got to understand that there is times as a church that we speak to a fellow believer that's in relationship, that's in community with us. That there are times when we say, hey, that's not from God. That's not what Paul's saying here. So you got to understand that we have to be able to distinguish between spiritual immaturity and rebellion. And, I, and I, can, I, can, I can take that point I'm making and give it to Scripture. So in 2 Timothy 4.2, in 2 Timothy 4.2, it says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. So if we're not careful and we don't read that and understand that, we can like, why are you saying anything to me? That's none of your business. Let God be my judge. Let God tell me what's right and what's wrong. I'm just here to tell you that, that if you're in a church or you're going to a church and, 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 you, and you're having, having an affair and the pastor won't call you out on it, you need to leave that church. If you're in a church and, and, and you have this overwhelming, life-destroying thing that's on you and people aren't weeping with you and telling you that that's not what God wants for you, you need to leave that church. That's not what, I don't want people to get confused and leave me like, whoo, I just knew that they were right. They needed to get out of my business. I, I am so thankful to God that there was a group of men that decided to get in my business. That means that they loved me enough. To say, Paul, we know God has better for you. But here's the cool thing. They did it in a way that I didn't feel the condemnation. They did it in a way to lift me up in love. To say, man, get up. We're going to brush you off. You're going to run after it again. You can do this, bro. I know you fell down, but I promise you, if you keep walking this journey, you won't fall as much. And the same goes with the person here today that's saying, well, I just can't stop falling. Get up and keep walking. Put people around you that want to hold on to you. And you will find yourself not stumbling as much. See, we have to understand that when we're pointing a finger at someone else, there's four pointed back at us. Amen? You hear that? We're good at doing this. We're good at saying, 
if you would have only did this, if you could only eat like me, or if you could only not drink so much, or man, we, we, we become the sin police. We're not careful. We have to make sure that there's fingers pointing back at us too. What does the scripture say? It says, go before and take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of someone else's eye. The Holy Spirit is at work. All we have to do is create community in love through anchored in the word of God and lives will change. Why do you say that so confidently, Paul? Because I believe God's word is true. That you cannot be in relations with other believers and read his word and pray to God through the Holy Spirit and not be changed. It is literally impossible according to to God. So when we're focusing on someone else, guess who we're not focusing on when we're focusing on someone else? Man, when I take my eyes, I, I love it. And you know, all y'all probably have seen the triangle thing with me. I love it. But I know Barbara and I stand by it in our marriage, and we check ourselves with this. If there's God up here, and there's Barbara here, and there's Paul here, the times in our marriage where we feel like there's strife and when we feel like we might be taking advantage of each other are the times that we're looking horizontally across the line at each other. But it's at the times that we are focusing on God, our creator, the one who came and sent Jesus to rescue us, who empowered us with the Holy Spirit. It's at those times that, that we are following him and that we are focusing in on him is that when our marriage has harmony and there is love and there is patience and there is peace and there is kindness and there is gentleness and there is self-control. Those are the times that we experience that. It's not at the times when we're trying to encourage each other to do that through our words. And I'll just be the first to confess to you as a pastor of this church that I struggle with that sometimes. I want to be your fixer. I don't have bad motives when I come to you. I just don't want to see you go through some of the hurt that I went through. Do you know what God told me? You're not God. Maybe I want them to go through this trial. Stop playing the Holy Spirit. So, I hope y'all are having a good time. This is a fun Father's Day message, isn't it? <laughs> hey, Father's everywhere. Everybody give a whoop. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we're not going to say Father. If we did it for the women, we're going to do it for the fathers. If you're a male, that means you have an opportunity to be a father-type figure in a child's life. Again, amen. Verse 17, verse 17, so it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, goodness, peace, and joy. Goodness, peace, and joy. I know there's nights I've said, well, I got the freedom to drink this. But after I drank enough of it, it took my goodness, peace, and joy away from me. So if I would say it's probably not good for us to do that. 
But ultimately, a person has to follow their own convictions. See, this should be the ultimate desire for everyone in the church for each other. This should be joy, joy and peace. Christians, if you're not a believer right here, you can just go ahead and sit out and watch this one from the sidelines. It's okay. If you're not a believer, you're fine. But Christians, I'm not talking about Dream Center Church. I'm talking about North Rock Hill. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the Wesleyan Church. I'm the Nazarene Church. The church. Our desire for one another should be to promote peace and joy in each other's lives. Let me repeat that. You know, like I said, the 10 seconds where we tell each other how good we are and how great we look and how awesome we are, everybody is smiling. But what I observe sometimes in my own life and the church's life is that, well, we need to go do this as a church because the so-and-so church just can't get it right. Like the churches are God. Man, we just got to go and evangelize this part of the community. I said that when we started the Dream Center 12 years ago. There's a church on every corner, and, and, and everybody's getting shot and killed and dying and going to hell. In my immaturity, I didn't understand I was speaking blasphemy to God because God says, I'm God. I'll put a church in every house if I want to and still won't let you see it if I choose to because I'm God and you're not. So if the church prays for the other church and prays for the believers, maybe their lives don't look like what yours looks like. It's funny how we can get through a sin in our own lives and we can start pointing and turning around and telling somebody else they don't know. know. (laughs) It's just what human beings can do. The danger of criticism. Amen? Goodness, peace, and joy. Goodness, peace, and joy. That is something that we as the church should be promoting. Goodness, peace, and joy. Verse 18 through 19. says, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Harmony in the church to build each other up. It is so easy for us to focus on how to tear each other down. But praise God that this little body of believers has such a deep love for God and learning to how to love each other that I believe, I truly believe this, that there are men and women in here that will be building up other churches. Just like Eugene's told me last night in a text message. Thank you. Calvary and Dream Center for coming in and loving us so that we can start loving our community again. You know what happened there? Because God allowed it, we were able to go in and build up a body of the saints so that Anna Frail Street would be evangelized. It was a building up. It wasn't a big conversation about, you don't think like us. We had, we had two conversations with the pastors before we partnered with them. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Yes. Do you believe that he's the only way to the Father? Yes. You want to go tell people about him together? Yes. And that was it. And then on, we started building each other up. Harmony in the church. 
Do you notice that Paul writes that let us aim for harmony in the church? Because I want to give us a little get out of jail ticket. The word aim means that you got to shoot for it. Because if we walk out of here today saying, man, we just got to figure out how to get this harmony thing down. It was something that we'll never get until Jesus comes back. But I'm telling you, the writing says that we're to aim for harmony in the church. And if your words are creating discord and dysfunction and animosity and anguish, we should zip our lips. Yeah, Barbara, zip it up. Zip it up, Barbara. I love your Anna. Get you up here and we can start letting you teach behind me here. Zip it up. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Verse 20, don't tear apart the work of the Lord of what, of what you eat. I even kind of, God spoke to me a little bit and I changed a little bit at the back of that. It says, don't tear apart the work of the Lord on behalf of your preferences. You know, because Paul was teaching on what was eating and what was drinking and, and the day that, that people would worship the Lord. So don't take your preference and then tear apart what God's doing because somebody's not following the way you think it should be done. How many churches have split over the color of the carpet in a sanctuary? How many churches have split because they just don't like the music? I believe we need to be singing out of a hymnal. I believe we need to have some, uh, some drums. Man, God must have knew our hearts before we ever got there. He's like, I just don't believe y'all need anybody. <laughs> y'all watch your screen. You'll be good. But think about it. How, don't tear apart the work of the Lord. It, said, it didn't say in the scriptures, don't tear apart the work of the Dream Center. It didn't say don't tear apart the work of North Rock Hill. It didn't say don't tear apart the work of Calvary or the Nazarene Church or the Wesleyan Church or the Methodist Church or the Presbyterian Church. No, it said don't tear apart the work of the Lord. It gets mighty personal when we take out our denominational name and put in God's name. That's a personal attack on what he is doing. When we think we need to voice our opinion. And if you don't think opinions is what everybody's got now, go put on Facebook. I don't care, you can have a little girl holding a kitten. And somebody going to get negative about that picture. I don't understand it. But it's not my job to understand because you see where I'm just defaulting back into what I'm talking about. When God is working, when God is working, just rest in his glory. When his hand is moving, maybe we just don't need to try to figure it out. When God's hand is moving in a, in a movement, maybe we need to stop having so many opinions and just rest in his glory. 
when God gives someone else an excitement of something, we have to check ourselves that we don't steal it away from them. Just rest in his glory. Verse 22, verse through 23. says, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if, you've, if you have doubt about whether it's not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. See, that piece of scripture right there is so beautiful because I'm convicted that maybe I shouldn't be doing something. All of a sudden, I believe my conviction should become my friend's convictions. And then I got to sit there and try to convince them of what God said. I, I have to learn, we have to learn as a church that God convicts people in different times and different places for his purpose and his, his goodwill. The best thing we can do is to follow our own convictions. It is clear to say that if someone is convicted of something and you're not and you do it in front of them, then it's, you're in sin because you're creating them to stumble. That's the word of God, written by God. So if we want to get so prideful that we're going to live according to our conviction solely, then you know what we're doing? We're taking our eyes off of God and we're putting it on someone else. We're pointing our finger at someone else, and that creates pride. And God can't and won't work in the middle of a prideful heart. So i got a few little things that I'm just going to say, and we're going to close it up. Y'all going to don't throw nothing at me because i got a couple corny little things that just jumped out at me. Now, this is fun, and I'm Paul, so y'all just have to love me where I'm at. When in doubt, throw it out. What do you mean by that? If you're having to ask other people if this is sinful in your life, it probably means it's sin. That means that you're being convicted of something that you're trying to justify. And you'll keep asking people until someone will give you the answer that you want to hear. So when in doubt, y'all want to do it with me? When in doubt. <laughs> Sounds like we need a television watching this now. <laughs> when in doubt, throw it out. If you threw it out and God wanted it there, he'll bring it back and, and let you have peace about it. The second one is not as corny as the first one. It's pretty good. Love others. Just love others. And let God be the conviction. There's a second part of that. Love others and let God be the voice of reasoning in their life. We read the word together and we love one another. Love others and let God do his work. I promise you this, church. If we have people come into our family and we don't walk according to the scriptures and, and teach with patience and kindness and gentleness, 
the person won't feel loved and then they'll find a reason to go away. And that's what the word says when the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The work of God. This next one is a, one of my friends, Stephen Loney. He's in our Wednesday morning group. And I love Stephen so much because he's got so much wisdom. Stephen says this all the time. That we are to inhale before we exhale. When that thought and when that word comes to your tongue, take a deep breath before you let it go. Inhale before you exhale. And when we do that, it filters it through the Holy Spirit. And then that statement, that phrase, that word can be used to build up and not tear down. But we have to inhale in order to get in tune with the Holy Spirit who is guiding and directing us. What we're sometimes guilty of, as myself, is that I exhale, then I inhale, then I feel guilty for exhaling. And I've hurt someone. The next one. <laughs> This came late last night, so I know this is from Jesus because I was tired. My eyes was closed when he woke me back up, and I got my phone and wrote this down. Love, serve, share, sin. Love, serve, share, sin. What if we just serve someone to the point that they get up and ask us what's going on in their life and ask us for direction? I don't know if y'all heard me. What if you love and serve an individual to the point that they look at you in your eyes and say, why can't I get my finances right? Then we can say, I'm so glad you asked. Thank God for men who was patient enough for me to ask them those questions. Why can't I get my marriage right? Why do I make my wife cry? Why do people not want to hang out with me? Why am I so frustrated all the time? Does any of these sound familiar? Those statements have to come from the person who is struggling with it, not from the person who is seeing it. If it comes from the person seeing it, it builds a wall. If it comes from the person who is feeling it, it tears down the wall. But if we love and serve in a way that a person trusts us enough to ask those questions... Then we get an opportunity to see the Holy Spirit transform us from the inside out. And that is a beautiful thing. And the last thing is I want you all to start reminding yourself daily how much God loves you. I want you to start reminding yourself daily that God didn't come to tear you down. He came to build you up. He come to tear the sin off of you, 
that rebellion created, but he come to build you up, saint. Do you hear me? You are not a failure. You are not a mess up. You are not whatever you think you've done named yourself or people are telling you. You are a child of God created for beautiful things. And when God has his way and you release and let him work through you, you are going to get to see some things that blow your mind. So remind yourselves daily that you're valuable. You're more valuable than silver or gold. And lastly, that we have to remind ourselves daily and it's an ongoing battle, so don't get frustrated when you mess it up. That it's not about us, but it's all about God. It's not about us, but it's all about God. That whosoever shall give their life for my purpose will gain it. And that what it says in the book of Matthew, Luke says it several times, that if I die to myself and my desires... To live for his. That if I lose my life here, I'll gain it. When we see that it's not about us. And it's all about the people around us. And it's all about God. And it's all about others. Our lives become a beacon of light to a dark and hopeless world. Will you pray with me on that promise that today that we can leave here and we know what we know? Can I just plead with you right now if, if you're struggling with your faith know that God is real Jesus Christ is real the Holy Spirit is real understand the power that you have dwelling inside of you Christian if you are a follower of Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit lives inside of you in such a way that it is just waiting for a trigger to just get let loose if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Father is waiting there with his arms open wide, waiting for the prodigal son to come running back into his arms. And the way you do that is through Jesus Christ, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And then you will have eternity in heaven. Let us pray together. Father God, Lord, we come to you today. We do thank you for the men that's on this earth. I pray, God, that you would speak over them, that you would pour down the rain of the Holy Spirit on them, Lord. I pray, Father God, Lord, that men that have stumbled and messed it all up, that we, God, will not no longer look in the past of who we were, but we will look at who we are because we've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, made new in the creation of you. And, Father, we do not have to stand in the darkness any longer that we are free i pray that over the ladies in this church god i pray god that revival starts out in this city lord i pray god that that churches get on fire for the gospel and for you lord god and i pray that a movement would happen that would extend into the state into the nation and into the world and lord god that as your word is being preached that the gates of hell cannot withstand against it men and women are going all over this world as a result of what you're doing right here in this city. People are coming from dark to light because of your Holy Spirit moving. And Lord God, that we would have our tongues bound by you when we want to speak criticism and critiquing into others' lives. Lord, that it be all about you and not about us, Father God, Lord. Bind our tongues. 
Let our eyes look with love and not with eye rolling, Lord God. Let our expressions show that of, of, of encouragement and not discouragement, Lord. Holy Spirit, we can only do this through you. And I pray that you move in us today in a mighty way. We pray all of this in your precious son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.